Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. So jumping back into 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1 was what good looks like. Last week we talked about what good looks like. If you missed the message, go back and listen to it. Super practical. This last, last book, think about this, Peter's getting ready to pass on. He's getting ready to be martyred for his faith. And we've already discussed that he's gone through a transition. This was a man that, uh, for all practical purposes, was prejudiced. He was against Gentile believers. Uh, he would make them conform and fit to the ideologies of, of their Jewish, the Judaizers and the Jewish traditions. Uh, and so the Lord worked on him, continued to move him, continued to use him in ways uh, that would push his boundaries theologically, socially, economically. And what we see here at the end of Peter's life is he has gone through a transformation. He is now writing letters to Gentile believers. He's encouraging them in the faith. He's saying what you have is real. I ain't denying that. I've seen Cornelius, the Roman centurion. I've seen him come to Jesus. I've seen the Holy Spirit fall on them. I've seen them be converted. And, and there is no denying the fact that our Jesus has come to save all nations. Uh, so that's something that Peter, that's a transformation that he has gone through. And so he's, this is his last letter. Listen, if you were sitting proverbially by his bedside with his dying words of the great apostle, the one who stepped out of the boat that we talk about, uh, you, know, you know, songs, incredible worship songs were written about this man, Peter, right? And, and his faith. Yes, he denied Jesus three times, but yes, he got it right, confessed, and went on to do incredible things. He preached Pentecost. 2,000 were saved in one day when the Holy Spirit fell and reversed the Tower of Babel event in the day when the church was really birthed and born. Consider the words that his lips have produced and the gospel impact of his life. This is this man. We are sitting by his bedside uh, via a letter. He is getting ready within probably three years, most scholars say, uh, and agree that he'll be getting ready to be crucified under the tyranny of Nero. And these are the last words that he chooses to leave us with. So I would say this, it's important. It's vitally important for us to receive what it is that he is telling us. And today, last week, we talked about what good looks like. He came out of the gate strong, and he said, this is what it's like to live a good Christian life. And then chapter 2, it takes a turn. Chapter 2, he says, this is what good doesn't look like. He said, if you are actively pursuing, if you are actively uh, involved and entrenched in a relationship with Jesus, then there's going to be some false teachers that are coming for you. Listen, in Bethlehem's Creed, if you haven't had it memorized, I, I encourage you, go on the website, commit those things to memory. They're, they're great points to live by, but one of those points, five of them in our creed, is know your enemy. Know that we have an enemy. In 1 Peter, he said the devil walks around as a roaring lion seeking. That means it's an active, present uh, word, present verb, that he's going and pursuing you that he may devour you. And so in this life, in this Christian life, the devil, we have an enemy, uh, his imps, his demons, uh, all of the powers and forces and the lesser gods that do not obey the one true God, they are after you. They want you. They desire you. They want your marriage. They want your children. They want all the resources that you have to be sidelined so that they cannot be applied to the kingdom of God. And so one active, incredible, he takes a whole chapter and he talks about the judgment of false teachers. The judgment of false teachers. So today, we're going to dive into this. We're going to dive into the judgment of false teachers. We walk through the Bible here. Uh, this is like, look, this is what I love about expositional preaching. We go to the next chapter. Next week will be chapter three. So where we are in this moment, in this series, uh, man, I think it's the time and place for our church today. I think this is what the Lord has for us today. So I pray you will receive it. Uh, let's talk about false teachers in general here before we jump right in. What good doesn't look like? False teachers. What good doesn't look like? Uh, let me ask you this question. Who, who, it's always a who, who is influencing you? Who is influencing you? Stop and think. Ponder. Walk down the corridors of your mind. If, if your mind, your heart, 
where you go and you have your thoughts right now, if you just close your eyes and envision walking down the corridors of your mind, the pictures that are hanging on the wall, who put them there? The picture of your life, the picture of your upbringing, the picture of what you believe, the picture of what encourages you, what discourages you, what makes you and motivates you, what allows you to continue going. What in your mind that you see was put there by who? Who put it there? Who's continuing to refine your inward space? Who's pouring into you? Listen, a false teacher isn't just someone in authority. That's a friend. That's a counselor. How many know your friends are your teachers? Who you have around you, your circle, will determine who you are in the inevitable future. We teach our children, look, you're some total of the people you hang around, the books you read. Wait a minute, kids don't read these days. The videos you watch on Facebook. <laughs> Whatever. YouTube. There it is. Sorry. YouTube children. I'm going to come up with a new app called YouTube Children. It's not like anything else that's been created. <laughs> Listen, your friends are your teachers. So this is multifaceted today. You're going to hear some things that will, some of them will apply to you. Maybe the Lord will shake you and you'll go, ooh, I've been a false teacher in some things. Ooh, maybe I've given bad advice. Hey, and if that's the case, that's the good thing about the cross. Confess it, forsake it, repent, move on. Listen, the Lord has a plan. His kingdom is coming. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom what? Come. Every false teacher wants thy kingdom not to come. So in your life, you have to identify those things, those, those barriers, maybe that you are for someone else or that someone else is to you. The majority of this message, though, because you're here, will be what others are doing to you. And so that's really what we're going to address. A false teacher. Who is influencing you? Uh, a man, the richest, wisest man in all of Scripture, his name was Solomon, wrote a book of Proverbs to his son. And here's what he said to his son. He said, Rex, no, <laughs> he said, uh, Rehoboam, the one who walks with wise... In Proverbs chapter 30, verse 20, the one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. King James says, but a companion of fools, I think it says, will be destroyed, is, is where my, my roots are coming out. Will be destroyed, will suffer harm. D do you understand that who you are hanging around, a companion, companion, I just want a friend, okay. Be careful what you ask for. Be careful who you grant access to that word friend or companion. Because the companion of fools will be destroyed, will be put to shame. Do you, do you understand the weight and the depth of this thing of who your friends and relationships are? are? But, but I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Why don't we let scripture determine that? A false teacher is this. A person who deliberately teaches deceptive teaching. By, by virtue, we're headed to 2 Peter chapter 2. You go take your Bibles and turn there. In the program, all this is here, and there's another illustration at the end of the program that you'll want to read the whole story. I don't know if I'll get to I didn't get to it this morning. Um, and by looking at the time, I might not get to it in here. But either way, uh, in, inside the program is the rest of the notes and filling in the gaps. So you'll want to go there today. Um, and, and I didn't say this earlier, my fault. If you're visiting, if you're watching online for the first time, Please go on the program and click I'm new and fill that out so we have record of your visit. Uh, but, but jumping in here, 2 Peter chapter 2, these scriptures are on the program. Uh, but I'm going to probably read and jump around a little bit. So if you have your Bible, it would, be, it would be helpful. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 1. Look at this here. Peter kicks it off by saying, uh, there, will, there, there were indeed, like this is emphatic, right? There were indeed false prophets among the people. There ain't no false prophets in here. Everybody has great intentions here. Uh, that's not what he said. He said, there are indeed. It's, it's there. It's present. It's like ravioli. It's in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love that line. It's my favorite. There were indeed false prophets among the people. Just as some of you, it's like a trickle effect. You think about it. And it's like, yeah, it is in there. It is in there. <laughs> Just as there will be false teachers among you, they will bring in destructive heresies. Watch this. Even denying the master who bought them. We're, we're going to see Peter slants. 
he positions this teaching against false teachers in such a mind-blowingly creative way. I, I love what he does here. And, and it's connected from verse number one all the way to verse 22, the whole chapter. He positions them in a place that you see that they own nothing and take advantage of everything. These people, these false teachers, when you fit the bill, when you fit that role and you step into it, you're stepping in a role that someone else paid for, someone else has done, designed the hard work, the heavy lifting, and all you're doing is benefiting from it. He's like, these people step in with destructive things, denying the person who bought them. Oh, that's so weighty and will bring swift destruction on themselves. Mark my words, a false teacher, they, they are also going to be destroyed. Their end is also bad. So therefore, what you're doing, you're joining the destruction. Someone who tells you what you're going to go through and what they're going to go through, understand that if it is a false teacher, a false dichotomy, a false perspective, what they're saying, this is what makes it false, is something that they will not escape. And, and, and that's the, the horrific thing about it, is people that are engaging in this type of behavior, they have no idea, but they're cursed. They're on the wrong path, and they're unaware of it. The Bible says no man ever hated his own flesh. If these people knew what they were doing, they wouldn't do it because they're destroying themselves. But that's the error in their ways. They're deceived. They're wrapped up in their own lies. Look at it. Let's continue to walk through. A false teacher here, by definition, false prophet. I better not wipe that. False prophet, false teacher. It literally means a person who deliberately teaches deceptive teachings. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to pull back the curtain a little bit. And I want to just look at, here's what Peter does. Peter gives some very practical ways to avoid them. How many need ways to protect yourselves, protect your hearts, protect your children, protect what the Lord is doing in your life? You have to. You have to. And some of you that have younger children, listen, I, those that have older children that know this is true are, are yelling right now at you. Listen! Listen! Listen to what the scripture is saying. Take these things to heart. Train your children against these false ideologies because it does not end well. So what he does here is I see Peter, he, he paints motivation for their deception. So I, I think that what's really good about this part of the message is that it will give you the tools needed to navigate these waters. The problem is most of the time when it comes to false teachers, they are professing something. They're saying that they have things on lockdown so that it disarms you so that you then go in a neutral position and then can be moved to a bad position, right? And, and so it's, it's helpful to understand when they have their motivation that is ill-rooted in, in these things that Peter are going to point out, hopefully it will be a red flag. I gave this illustration this morning. <laughs> no one... If I woke up this morning to a loud noise outside my house and I saw someone out there with a hammer and a smile on their face <laughs> ripping siding off my house, just tearing it off, walking over to a window, smashing the window out, pulling out the soffit, I'd be like, yeah, you're doing a good job, buddy. This is great. You just keep going. For now, the price of material, that's like $300 a pull, right? Just one piece of siding, chief, right? I wouldn't take kindly to someone tearing my house apart piece by piece, even if they were doing it with a smile. I'd be like, get off my house. I would take action, proverbial action. I'm not sure exactly how I would handle that. That'd be interesting. First, can you get rid of your smile so I can punch you in the face? I can't punch someone who's smiling at me. But, but it would make... No logical sense why they are tearing my house apart other than being destructive. But yet, we as believers let people walk into our spiritual house and rip things apart. 
and tear it apart, siding by siding. Oh, that great thing that you learned in your discipleship. <laughs> oh, you like that? You like God's grace? Here, let me tear it down. You think the Lord's going to uh, help your anxiety? Nope. <laughs> and we just let them wreak havoc in our spiritual lives and in our relationship. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not okay. You can't just let people step into what the Lord is building and tear it apart. And that's what Peter's saying. If this was your physical house, you'd have something to say. But your spiritual house is more important. Okay, let's jump in. Here's their motivation. Did I die? Did it die? No, it's on. Okay. Here's, your, here's their motivation for deception. Look at verse number three. Look at verse number three and we'll jump in. Actually, let's read two and three because we might as well just keep going right through it. Verse one says, and will bring swift destruction on themselves. Number two, verse two, 2 Peter 2, verse two, many will follow their depraved ways. That's unfortunate. This is what keeps me up at night. It really does. Why? Because elders and leaders of the church, we've been given uh, authority that we will give an account for every believer that is under our voice under our leadership. Why we watch for your souls. It's weighty what pastors and teachers do. And it's weighty when a false teacher is trying to tear it down. And what Peter is saying is, listen, they're going. They're going to have people follow them. That's terrible. And the way of truth will be maligned because of them. Verse number three, they will exploit you in their, what's the next word? Greed. They will exploit you in their greed with made up stories. I'm not making this stuff up. Look at it. Their condemnation, pronounced long ago, is not what? Idle. And their destruction does not sleep. It's constant. It's constant. Amen. Answer it. <laughs> it's constant. It doesn't stop. Why does it not stop? Here's the first motivation that I see. I'm going to get through this part real quick. Stay with me. The first thing that Peter says is a motivation for a false teacher is their greed. Their greed. What does that word mean? Thank you for asking. It means the excessive and immoderate desire of acquiring more and more. It doesn't necessarily mean wealth, but it does imply wealth in other places. He's saying that they have an unquenchable desire. They are caught on a hamster wheel. I'm a hamster right now, just in case you're wondering. If you're joining us online, I'm a hamster right now. What, what happens when you get on a hamster wheel? You don't go anywhere. What happens when you get stuck in a desire for more for the sake of more? How many of us, this happens to us? Paul, Peter, rather. Peter says their greed is what motivates, the, motivates them. They are constantly searching for more. And if they can use you to leverage, to get out of you, something that feeds that desire for more, they'll do it. Anytime you identify someone that is pouring into you, that is a teacher, that is an instructor, and that is a counselor, and you identify in them a desire for more things that is unquenchable, you know, you, you ought to listen to people talk sometimes. You ought to listen. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You're, you're sitting around these people and you hear them say that they're never content with anything. You hear them say that everything that they're doing is to acquire more, not for a specific purpose, but just to have what? The hamster wheel. A false teacher's motivation is their greed. Listen, here's what I hope today will do for you, all right? I hope that there will be a fine line that you understand how to pursue good, godly things. I hope today that you'll see how to pursue money in a way that's healthy and not unhealthy. There's nothing, nothing wrong with money, but the what? The love of money. I just want more. Every time I get a dollar, I feel that much better. Something that rhymed. Every time I get a dollar, I feel so hotter. I don't know. Listen, money. <laughs> just trying to keep your attention here this morning. 
the, the point is, when we're identifying false teachers, we're going to see a motivating factor for them is their greed. Look, we could, we could apply this to tele-evangelists. I read a really good book that I think all of you should read. It's called God, Greed, and the Prosperity Gospel by Costi Hinn. He talked about his life traveling with his uncle, Benny Hinn, and how they're rolling around third world countries in Bentleys and Land Rovers, fleecing the flock and stealing from the poor. Their greed, they were motivated by greed, and they used the word of God to do it. A guy who's saying they need a new airplane because the other two he doesn't own. I got to go tell the gospel more. No, you need a bigger plane. There's a fine line between what the Lord is leveraging for ministry in the kingdom and what we're using to fulfill our own insatiable desire. Listen to what your leaders are saying. Listen to what your friends are saying. And if you identify a lack of contentment, if you identify a purpose that is apart from the kingdom of God rather than together with it, chances are greed is, is facilitating some false teachers. Greed is the, second, the first thing. The second thing is this. Look at verse number five. Verse number five. And if he didn't spare the ancient world. Well, let's go, go back to verse four. Got to read it. For if God didn't spare the angels who sinned but cast them into hell and delivered them in chains of utter darkness and kept them for judgment. I, I believe that we have angelic beings or lesser gods that fell from heaven. Uh, Peter addresses this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. So he's, he's saying, this is Enochian literature here. He's saying, listen, if the Lord will judge heavenly beings, that's the point. If the Lord will judge heavenly beings that got out of their lane, look at verse number five, and if he didn't spare the ancient world, what makes you think you're better than those people? If he brought fire on Sodom and Gomorrah, what, things, what, what makes you think you're better than those folks? But, but what did he do? He protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. What he's saying, what Peter is saying, the defining factor whether you have the Lord's protection or not is whether you're preaching righteousness or whether you're a false teacher. What makes you different? Satan is teaching. Satan is telling a lie. Noah is, is a man that his, his righteousness is accounted to him for his safety. Listen, understand that the false teacher's path has no protection from the Lord. Go ahead, walk down that path. Do you think you're any different than those that died in the flood? Then the angels, not even a human being, then the angels that will be locked. Second Peter and Jude are like this. If you read the book of Second Peter and you read the book of Jude, it's literally line upon line. Like they wrote it almost together, co-authored. It's really cool. Jude talks about it more. These angels are in a chamber of Tartarus. They're in a chamber of darkness. What makes you think you're better stepping out and teaching a lie? The point is this. Do you need something? You good? God bless you. All right. Uh, the point is this. There's a motivating factor of greed that's pushing them to do what they're doing. There's a motivating factor. Here's the second thing. Look at the end of verse 5. It says that they're what? Ungodly. When he brought the flood of the world of the, the flood from the world on the ungodly. What does the word ungodly mean? Thank you for asking. It means <laughs> lacking proper veneration and practice. It, this was so good. When I dug into this, I was like, yes. Ungodly. It means irreverent irreverent. First, they're motivated by their greed, these false teachers. The second thing, this is such a huge indicator. They lack a sense of awe for God. You, you'll, you'll, this never happens. To someone who is, who is preaching the gospel, to someone who is, who is teaching the right way, what, what we will be when we are in a good, healthy place is enamored with who Jesus is. We, we will be enamored with how good God is and how big God is and how incredible our God is. He has made a way. He is the way, the truth, the life. I am obsessed with God. And, and you know what? He's big. He's huge. He's the supreme being. Listen, that, there's a healthy fear there. There's a, the fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Understand this, that a false teacher will be irreverent. You'll pick up and hear tones of how they are usurping authority over God. You'll hear tones where they're not really concerned about what the Bible says. It's more about what they're saying. And you can't do that unless you're irreverent towards the Lord. Listen, God, 
it is important for us to understand how big and how powerful and how incredible he is. Who are we to think that we're different than from those that were irreverent towards God in the past? That's what Peter is saying. A false teacher will be motivated by irreverence. It's just not that big of a deal. It's just one Sunday you can miss. Okay. It's just one day in your Bible. It's just some prayer time. It's not that big of a deal. The Lord will hear you anywhere. Irreverence. Someone belittling the very thing that the Lord makes vitally important. It's so, it's a sliver of the truth. Yes, the Lord is long-suffering. Yes, the Lord is merciful. But is the Lord irreverent towards the spiritual things that he has commanded us to be disciplined in? Do you see the, the fine line? Watch yourself. You know, at some point, those angels were in good fellowship with the Lord. At some point, the ancient world became complacent. Listen to what they're saying. Motivating factor, greed. Motivating factor, ungodly means irreverent. Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. So good here. Is this helping? No? Okay, we'll, we'll keep going anyway. No. <laughs> Look at verse number 10. This could be one of the biggest, just, I mean, pivotal. This is like a no-nonsense point here. All of you need to put this in your spiritual bag of tricks and pull it out when, whenever necessary. You're going to need this in your spiritual toolbox. You ready? Look at verse 10. Especially those, this is a strong statement here, especially those who follow the polluting desires of the flesh, and what's the next two words? Despise authority. Hmm, look at the next one. Bold, arrogant people. They are not afraid to slander the glorious one. If they're irreverent towards the Lord, guess what? They'll be irreverent towards their leaders. Biblical headship is in the Bible. Nowadays, culture, people don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about authority. Why? Because a police officer pulls over someone and they don't want to submit to an authority and then they wonder why something bad happened. I, I mean, I'm not trying to act like I understand something that I don't understand, but last, last time I checked that if you obey authority and submit to them, things go better, not worse. And I've heard stories from people in here. Remember that one story you told me, like, it was like a stolen vehicle or something, like in D.C., your vehicle, and they, like, you had, like, how many cops on you? At least seven. Listen, no matter what, the point is, is just obey. When authority exercises authority over you, you have a decision to make. You submit, right, or you buck it, right? If you submit, you're at least follow me on here. This is, like, we're not teaching our children this, and this is a problem. Train up a child in the way they should go. Train up a 20-year-old in the way they should go. Train up a 30-year-old. Hey, pastor, train up a 40-year-old if necessary. When you submit to the authority, I, this verse just came to mind. Romans 13.1, I think it is. Uh, I'm trying to, let's go to it. I, it came to my mind, I better read it, and I can't, I can't pull it from my memory for whatever reason. Romans 13.1. I mean, maybe that's not even the verse. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's it. Look at it. Let everyone submit to the governing, go governing authorities since there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are instructed by God. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. And those who oppose, it will bring what? Judgment on themselves. It's a biblical principle. When there is an authority in your life, the Bible says submit to that authority as you're submitting to who? God. And when you do that, watch this. The outcome is the Lord's. If it ends bad, the suffering that you endure will come with God's grace and God's mercy. And you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you haven't stepped outside of God's plan. Therefore, you will be given the grace to get through it. it, it what do you do? Understand this, that false teachers... People that do not have your best interests at heart, they resist authority. Paul is saying to the point that they're arrogant and bold about it. If there is a voice in your life that is arrogant, critical, and boastful towards the authority that has clearly been placed in your life, guess what? 
they are fitting the description of a false teacher. I mean, am I... Can we make this stuff up? No. Peter is saying, understand that they are bold. They are arrogant. They are divisive. Why? Because their authority is what matters. There, there are times, Sarah and I were thinking and digressing about, we do this often, thinking and digressing about things of the past. There were moments in our lives that we had big issues with people that were in authority in our lives. And there were times that I did not handle every situation correctly. That is the truth. And there are things that I've repented of in, in my past and, and gone and, and spoken and confessed and, and made right. But ultimately, the Lord used those decisions that we made back then to get us where we are today. If I was in a church where I could not see eye to eye with the pastor and I go to that pastor and I go to that deacon board or an elder board, whatever they have, like the Bible says, if you have a problem, take it to them with two witnesses and that conflict cannot be resolved within that authority, then, then and only then, did we move on to another church. After we handled it biblically within the confines of Scripture. Why is that? Because, listen, I don't want to step out of God's will in my life. I want to follow God's chain of command. And if I follow God's chain of command, then I understand that my steps are being ordered by the Lord. If I can't reconcile a difference in my life with another authority then it's time for me to go. Never is it time for me to say, I know way better than that leader. Let me tell everybody how that leader sucks so bad. Never does that fit. Why? Because the Lord may be using the conflict and the difference that I have with that leader to get me where he wants me to go. Paul says, whether I quote this often, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. Understand that I wouldn't be pastoring at Bethlehem if I hadn't had disagreements with past authorities. It doesn't mean I trash those authorities. It says, can two walk together except they be agreed? I'm going to go walk somewhere else. But I'm going to do it in the right spirit and in the right way. One gets the blessing of God. One the Lord gets the glory in. The other just makes that person look better and everyone else look bad. That's the difference between a false teacher. Do you understand? I'm not saying you'll never have disagreements, but what I am saying is the Lord puts constructs of authority in place to govern our lives. And when you find that someone is bold, and when you find that someone is arrogant, and they are being divisive towards authority, it, is a, it should be like a red flag. What is happening is not good, and it's not biblical. Are you following this? A motivating factor, greed, irreverence, or ungodliness arrogant, and they despise authority. Listen to this. Someone, and we're landing the, well, we're doing okay, 12 of 3, whew. Someone who has a problem with authority is a problem. Take that to the bank. I haven't been, <laughs> I've been in ministry a little while. I'm still young in a lot of ways, but I'm seasoned in a lot of other ways. A lot's happened in a few years, hasn't it, babe? My goodness gracious. Listen, if you're in ministry for over a decade, you'll, you'll learn that people who have a problem with authority are the problem. I'm not saying that's the only problem and that authority is not a part of the problem. You understand what I'm saying? Many a time I look at decisions authority made. I, we, we went, the Bible college that we graduated from when training for ministry, the pastor there made horrible decisions and removed him from ministry. He's in prison today. A pastor of a church of like, I don't know, it was like 40,000 people. It was huge where we, did, where we learned ministry. And ultimately, what I looked back at when I was having a conversation with one of my peers and then some of my family, it was we noticed the difference when he made a shift from what the word of God says to what he was saying. What God was saying, and, and it was when he was on, it was powerful, to how he interpreted what it was. You can tell there's a boldness and an arrogance when someone steps in and usurps authority over the Lord. Every under-shepherd, every pastor should submit themselves to the authority of the Lord. But understand this. I have watched this happen over and over. The Lord makes good on his promises. If a pastor has a problem and an issue, I've never, ever seen or been a part of a situation like that that the Lord did not just completely yank the rug out from under that fellow. 
The Lord has a way of straightening things out. And listen, lest I become a castaway, right? Like humility needs to go before all of us. Any of us can be subject to falling away. That's why the warning is here in the scripture. But I, it's, it's, it's vitally important for us to call it what it is. Boldness and arrogance against authority is a problem. It's a problem. When those rubs happen, understand that Peter is telling you there's, there's a way that you need to handle this and there's a way that you shouldn't. Follow the authority. Okay, back on track here. Arrogance, despising authority. Slander what they, this is so good. Look at verse number 12. Look at verse number 12 back in our text. Verse number 12. But these people, <laughs> I, can't, I can't paint it any better than the way Peter paints it. <laughs> Read what he's saying. These people are like irrational animals. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty rough, isn't it? Y'all are like a bunch of hyenas running around. Look at it. He says, but these people are like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught, destroyed. Slander, I, just look at, look at the way he says this. Slander what they do not what? Understand. They don't even get it. They, they just don't even get it. And in their destruction, they too will be destroyed. Keep going. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. They consider it a pleasure to carouse in broad daylight. They are spots and blemishes delighting in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have their eyes full of adultery. They never stop looking for sin. They seduce unstable people. They're really good about who they target. Really good about it. They seduce unstable people and have hearts trained, here it is again, in what? Greed. Children under a curse. Children under a curse. They, they, they never seem to think that what they are doing is wrong. False teachers never seem to think that what they are doing is wrong. But they are really doing good at doing wrong. They are really doing good at doing wrong. Craftiness is not godliness. Let me, let me frame this in such a way. Let me, let me paint this picture for you. Craftiness is not godliness. It's slanderous. It's, it's slanderous. They are working hard, watch this, at undoing someone else's work. They are working hard at undoing someone else's work. Maybe the most powerful verse is verse 19. Look at verse 19. They promise them freedom. So, some of y'all need to like print this verse out, like laminate it and hand it to your children. Like, here, child, like take this and, and think about this before you make friends. Like some of us, like our children, we're not teaching them to build the right friendships and the right relationships. We're, we're not equipping them with the right tools. Look at verse number 19. Peter says this, they promise them freedom but they themselves are slaves of corruption, since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them. What an indictment. What an indictment. Think about it. They promise everything that a false teacher is promising you, whether this is a prosperity gospel teacher, someone who's twisting scripture to fit their narrative so that they can build whatever wealth that they're thinking. This happens all the time. Understand that what they're building are spoiled goods. They're robbing. And what they're building upon is the very thing that will destroy them, that will take their own life. False teachers, here's what it ultimately boils down to. False teachers are they themselves hurt people. They are they themselves confused. They are they themselves wrapped up in their own abomination. And let me say this, hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. Now, we stop and kind of transition and we think about who is pouring into you? Who are you gravitating? Who, who have you locked on with? Is, is the devil using someone to get an advantage in your own walk and in your heart? How are your relationships 
What pastors and teachers are you submitting yourself to? Are you listening to just anything? Or are you weighing it with the truth of the text and the word of God and with those that the Lord has put in your life? And we'll get back to that. But listen, I just want to give you three practical things, super practical things. We see what motivates a false teacher, greed, irreverence, lack of authority, pride, arrogance. Listen, if, if this is true, since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them, if we submit ourselves to the wrong teacher, the wrong friendship, the wrong acquaintance, we're going to be on the same hamster wheel to destruction. We're going to lose our children. We're going to lose the influence that the Lord would have had for us. And listen, as a pastor, it has been a journey. Just this, our church, our small church, this has been like pouring everything that we have into this church for the last four and a half years. It doesn't happen on its own. It's a lot of work. And Peter's identifying that and he's saying like, there will come people that step into this that all they want to do is take you on the same path of destruction that they're already on. It's not worth it. Our job is to speak life into the darkness. Our job is to do the opposite. Our job is to look at someone on the wrong track and through the power of the Holy Spirit pray for that person that they will see, that their eyes, their scales will fall from them, that they will see the gospel for what it is and they don't have to be enslaved. The, the truth will make you free. It will set you free. The power of the cross will get anybody off the hamster wheel but Peter says it's important that you know what the hamster wheels are and that you don't get on one of them. You may be the voice that they need. And listen, in my experience, there's a reason why Peter is giving this admonition because he'd been around the block. If you're new in your faith, if you're a new baby Christian, it's probably not time for you to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a Jehovah Witness in your living room. <laughs> they'll, em they'll embarrass you. They'll tell you what your Bible says. I mean, I'm just being real. It's probably not time yet. And that's the extremity of it, right? What are these people saying? Like, I have fun with them. <laughs> but I'm not saying that that could be the smartest thing. And I pray for them, and I wish them the best, and they never come back. I don't know why. I don't know why. I'm more than willing to sit as many times as they want. I think it's great. It'll keep you sharp. But it might not be the best decision for you to sit down with them yet. You're not grounded. You're not rooted in the word of God. It's like, memorize a book of the Bible before you engage in those things. Commit it to memory. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. John 3.16 is a great verse, but it's not enough. It is enough, but it's not enough. You understand what I'm saying? It's important for you to understand where you are in your walk, and that's why the warning is so potent. So here's, here's three practical things. You ready? And then we'll go, go get something to eat. It's absolutely telling of several issues here with false teachers. And, and I, verse 19, I'm telling you, highlight it, mark it down, go home, read it. Mute. I've been thinking about it all week. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves. The, the false teacher, his check, will never cash. Never! They're going to feed you a line of prosperity and you will go hungry with them. Mark my words. It won't cash. What you think, but that gospel sounds better. Do we actually have to suffer like the Bible says? Is it really important that it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Is it really important that we believe that Jesus did miracles? Is it really important that there was a virgin birth? Is it really important that we believe that he rose from the dead? Yes! It is really important. Vitally important. And mark my words, any other option other than this option ends in destruction. So I say this. Number one, are the teachers, counselors, friends? And, and I'm going to say this, shifting gears a little bit. Some of y'all have things from your past that you still, I don't, it's like there's a demon right here that's invisible that just when I step off the rug, he keeps pulling it this way. This rug keeps moving, I'm telling y'all. Jeez. 
just messing with me, trying to get me off the phone. Here, here's, here, here's my point. <laughs> I ain't worried about it. We got the power of the name of Jesus. We're good. <laughs> they don't have authority here. But they can move rugs, I guess. <laughs> what the heck was I saying? <laughs> they did win, doggone it. Oh, your, your past. Yes, thank you. Your, your past, it's important for you to identify all of the truths that need to be redeemed. It's important. Your discipleship, what we do on Wednesday nights, your daily Bible reading, and your prayer life, your scripture prayer life, and fellowshipping with other believers, it's vitally important that it continues. You have other false, Peter talks about the, the God of Baal. There are other voices from the world that want your attention, that are trying to grab you and, and captivate. So it's important for you to identify those things and repent of those things. Let the Lord redeem them. Your walk, just because you profess faith in Christ and said, I'm a believer, this is amazing, <laughs> doesn't mean it's always roses and, and you know, fields of wildflowers. It's work. Identify false ideologies in your life. Let the scripture speak to it. Confess and repent. Live in the truth and the power of the gospel. All right? So I say that. Number one, are the teachers, counselors, friends that are pouring into you pouring from a place of what they say or what they do? This is all practical. If someone is pouring into you from what they say, not in what you see them live, guess what? False teacher. Here, here's what it says here. Uh, this is King James. Uh, Ephesians 6.6, 6, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Are the people pouring into you, pouring into you from their heart or from what they say? Let me just, let me tell you, in my experience, you know, I, I get that, but what does the Bible say? The people who are pouring into you, do they have a track record of solid faith? Do they have a track record of believing endurance in their spiritual life? It's important. Well, you know, I got this new friend. What did Karen say? Don't make fast friends. What a great statement. Listen, the people that are pouring into you, number one, are they pouring from a place of what they say or is there action behind it? Many people have come in and out of our lives and it's important to identify that what makes people stick, right? What makes people stay and get in the trenches with you are people that believe the same things that you believe. So let that be a litmus test. Don't let people pour into you and speak into you. Don't watch these, these pastors and teachers that have no track record of faithfulness. It's important. Take the warning that Peter is, is saying. Not with eye service, Paul says. Doing the will of God from the heart. Number two. First one, are they pouring into you, the people who are, are they pouring from a place of what they say and do? Moses said, they began both to what? Do and teach. What did you say this morning, Steve? Your audio matching your what? Your video. Number two, are the teachers, counselors, friends that are pouring into you, are they submissive to authority or are they constantly trying to paint someone in a negative light? Vitally important. Here's another verse on authority. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 7, Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must, I think I quoted this earlier, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for it is unprofitable for you. Listen, the people who are pouring into you, do they get along with authority, or are they in opposition to authority? That is just a plain and simple. When you teach your children to make friends, don't make friends who talk bad about their parents. It's so simple. Rainy, let me explain something to you. When you make friends, if your friends are talking bad about their mom and dad, don't make friends. Well, that's mean. I have one shot at that child. <laughs> Some of y'all need to have a little bit of urgency. Some of y'all maybe need to have a little bit of resolve. 
If, if Paul is willing to name names in the text and say, listen, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, maybe it's time that you tell your child, no, don't hang around them. That's just not loving. Yes, it is. It's loving your child. And maybe the resistance that the other child gets will cause them to think. Maybe if the church was who the church is supposed to be, the Holy Spirit can work on the false teachers. Look, it is up to you to do what the Word of God says and let the Lord do the rest. Is there a problem with authority? If there is, you side with authority. That's what the Bible says. Is it because the authority is always right? No, it's because that's, that's the path that the Lord designed. We're all fallen. We all make mistakes. We all have issues right here. <laughs> I got plenty of them. But I'm not going to step out of line of what the Lord designed and do it my way. That's the point. I'm, I'm fallen and broken enough. I don't need to add insult to injury. The Lord, will, the Lord will take care of me. The Lord chasteneth whom he loveth. I'll, I'll take that gentle, loving rebuke from the Lord any day of the week than to take the condemnation that's heaped on poor decisions on my part. It's a simple thing. You tell your kids, you, you have friends and hang out with people that are good with their parents, not bad with their parents. Well, their parents are, that's not the point. That's not the point. The point is the biblical principle is children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Look, there's a right way and a wrong way. The people who are pouring into you, are they submissive to authority or constantly painting them in a negative light? Here's the third thing I see. Are the teachers, counselors, friends that are pouring into you honest in their financial dealings or do they have a, do, do they have a plan for their money or is money the plan? He brings up greed twice in this text and listen to this verse in Job. Because his appetite, Job 20, verse 20, his appetite is never satisfied. He does not let anything he desires escape. Nothing is left for him to consume. Therefore, his posterity will not last. Listen, as believers, we have what we have because the Lord gives it to us, the steward. There's a difference between someone who is obsessed with money and someone who makes a lot of money and stewards it for the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? Twice he brings up greed in this passage. Twice he says they are going to steal and fleece you of what you have. Listen, this is very practical from giving money to a tele-evangelist that says you're going to get healing through a camera. They're, they're after your dollar. Not even for a purpose, but just for their own wallet. And here's the last practical part on this point. This is really helpful. When you listen to people talk, are they talking about their plan or are they talking about their things? Do they have a plan for their things or are things the plan? Surround yourself with friends and people and believers in your life that have a plan for their stuff. We're, my wife and I, we want to be financially and fiscally responsible. We want to save as much money as we can. Why? Because financial freedom will allow us greater financial capacity, on the other hand, to serve the Lord. A pastor who is strapped financially, how am I supposed to lead people in their finances, in their budgets, in making decisions? How am I supposed to tell you that you need to give when I don't give? Does that make sense? Listen. Is this on? Listen to what people say. How do I know? <laughs> How do I know? I'm so scared. There's false teachers everywhere. Yeah, there are. Don't walk scared. Just open up your doggone ears. People will let you know where they stand. I'm going to get me more overtime. Why? Are they trying to get themselves out of a financial position? To put themselves in a better position? so that they can be more free and spend more time with their family? Do they want to have a camper just to have a camper and just to have a boat bigger than their neighbor? Or do they want to have a camper because they want to go spend time with their family and make memories? There's a difference. One camper, it really doesn't matter what the camper is like. It really, like, 
It's, it's about the memories that are being made, but we all know those people who will work job after job after job, and they'll avoid their family. They'll avoid their family time. Why? Because they just have to get another dollar to put in that bank account, to stow it away. Their money is running them, rather them controlling their money. How do you know if someone is a bad influence? Open up your ears and listen. Are they controlled and motivated by greed? Or do they have a purpose for the things that God is giving them to steward? Some people just have children for the sake of having children, to bring them happiness. Guess what? They're never happy with their children. Some people have children that the Lord owns that they rear up. Yeah, it's sad to watch them go, but ultimately it's not my child. It's the Lord's child. And we'll receive a blessing for that. There's a difference. Two possess the same thing. One leads to destruction. The other leads to righteousness. There's such a fine line here in the text. Oh my goodness, I don't have time to tell this story. I want to tell it. Let me say this to you. The gospel is the only truth. The only life-changing, life-altering truth that you can take to the bank. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and that in its entirety. Religion, whether it's a false religion that you've been weighing with, whether it's something that in your mind the devil's using to leverage against you, here's what I'll say to you is, is the crux and the key. The Bible says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. How do we, how do we defeat this thing of false teachers in this day and age? In other words, how do we have healthy relationships in our church? How do we grow with one another and not fall into a trap? Here's, what I'm, here, here's my last thing that I'll leave you with. We have to be doing community with each other. We have to be talking with one another. The way that we identify error is through conversations. I, I know for me, like reading this this week, this chapter, it was a lot. There was a lot in there. I was like, oof. You know, it's like a gut check moment where you're like, you know, I need to do more work there. I need to watch myself there. You know what I mean? Like, and I hope you're that way when you read the text. You align yourself with the heart of God. But when I thought about in our church community, unhealthy things are secretive things. Quiet things. Hey, let me tell you, let me tell you this, but don't tell, don't tell anybody else. Those relationships that you have, husbands, with other women, maybe at work, a text conversation, something that no one else knows about, um, that's a slippery slope. Someone comes up to you and they begin to conversate with you, maybe in this context or at work, and they begin to plant seeds about someone, maybe that they don't like or that you don't like. Anytime a conversation is a closed conversation and not an open conversation, it's a conversation that the devil can use against you. This is just a good rule of thumb. How do we deploy in our context a spirit and a competency within each other and a confidence that we don't allow place for that? I mean, this is a pretty, like, go read the chapter, the whole thing, start to finish. The very last verse in this chapter, here's what he says. They're like a dog that returns to their vomit. Blah! And they see it and they know it's garbage. It's no good. And they walk away from it only to go. <laughs> How many have ever seen a dog eat their puke? Peter is saying that's what a false teacher is. Let me say something to you. They cannot help themselves. They're on a path of destruction. Get off of it. If we are going to fight against this, watch this. We're going to be an open church. There's hardly a thing that I'm like, let's talk about it. If you're a new believer, come bring that thought. Come bring that verse into your connect group, to your pastor, to a mentor. Let's what? Let's talk about it. You don't feel a certain kind of way. You didn't like that. You didn't like that person. Go to them. 
Say, hey, I didn't like the way you said that. Oh, I'm sorry. Reconciliation. Rather than, let me tell you why I don't like them. Uh, Psalm 1. That's how this stuff goes viral. A bunch of small, secretive conversations. Rather than saying, hey, hi, I'm Matt and I'm broken. I'm a pastor in, in a position, but I'm not perfect. You know, I have things I struggle with in my walk, just like you do. But I'm praying by God's grace that we're going to continue to grow together. We're, we're going we're gonna to do life and we're going to do this thing together. We need each other. How do you hear eventually that you're under the spell of a false teacher? Probably from a brother or sister who's not. Probably from a brother or sister who's not. God forbid you're not in a connect group or you're not in fellowship. You, ha- you need to be inviting families from this church over to your house. You, you need to be having dinner with each other. You need to be serving with one another. You need to be loving each other. Why? Because all of that works in concert with you being loved by the family of God rather than isolated by the enemy and believing a lie. We need each other. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.